Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. I'm, I'm so glad that the Lord always has a good word of encouragement for His church and for His people. Thank you, worship team, Miss Katie, all the worship team today. Thank you for leading us today in some good worship and into the presence of the Lord. I'm just uh, excited about the presence of God today. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I just feel really good in my soul this morning. Amen. Um, I'm going to do a little ministering today, preaching, teaching, whatever, uh, from the book of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> and uh, we will one day, we will get back into the gospel of Mark. I haven't forgotten where we're at. I don't think. I think we're still in chapter 10, but uh, we'll get back there as the Lord leads, probably beginning in June, if the Lord directs that way. But I want you to go this morning with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, the very last chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm going to read a few verses there today, this morning. I'm reading this morning from the, uh, the King James, okay? And uh, uh, sometimes we're preaching from the New King James. I like it as well, but today we're preaching from the King James. As Brother, uh, <clears throat> Brother, Brother Don Brankle used to always say, uh, I'm preaching from the Living Bible today, the King James Version. That was what he always would say. <laughs> but uh, anyway, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, and let me begin reading with verse number 15. 1 Corinthians 16 and 15. Paul writing to this church, closing out this letter, says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, which means that they were the first, some of the very first ones to be saved, in Achaia and in Corinth, the household of Stephanus and his family. They're the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. And I want to use for my text this morning that um, from that sixth, the 15th verse where it speaks of Stephanus and his household being the first fruits of Achaia. And he says that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And I'm going to talk to you for a few moments this morning on being hooked on serving Jesus. Being hooked on serving Jesus. Father, thank you today for this opportunity to be in the house of the Lord and to stand again behind the pulpit Deliver the Word of God to your church. Help me today to say exactly what you would have me to say. Feed the flock of God here in this congregation this morning. And just think through my mind today, Lord, and speak through my lips. and Stir our hearts today. I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, and encourage us to, to be more than we are. Be all that we can be for you and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. We live today in a world of addicts. You just think about that. We live in a world of addicts. In 2016, the Surgeon General estimated that one in seven Americans was addicted to drugs. Think about that. One in seven. That was in 2016. That was four years ago. It may be even more than that now. 
But one in seven Americans addicted to drugs. Over 50% of this country has an immediate family member who is an addict. I'm probably talking to people in this service this morning that maybe not right now, but have at one time a family member that's been addicted to some kind of substance or involved in substance abuse in some way. America today is plagued by an opioid crisis. It's plagued by an alcoholism crisis. It's plagued by a crisis of addiction to prescription pain pills and addictions to pornography and to gambling and to smoking. And the list could go on and on, I guess, of all the different addictions that people are bound by today that are controlling people's lives. Somebody might say, be sitting here this morning and say, well, I'm not addicted to any of those things, but I could hold this little device up this morning. Amen. <laughs> and uh, because just about, not everyone, but I don't, know what the, well, I don't know what the percentage would be there, but just about everyone is addicted to cell phones and to social media. I mean, we can't go anywhere without it. This has taken the place of the American Express card, you know. We can't leave home without this. We've got to have that everywhere that we go. I mean, if you get a, you start out from the house and knows, oh, my God, turn around, go back, I forgot my phone, amen? How many knows what I'm talking about? But, um, but everyone has uh, an addiction, I guess, of some sort or another. Some are, some are worse than others, but... In the closing verses here of this 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we see an addiction here, and there is mentioned by the Apostle Paul an addiction here that would actually be a good thing, a good addiction. We would all, I believe, be better if more people tested positive for the addiction that Paul spoke of here in this particular verse, and that is the addiction... Of, a, of an individual being addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ and being addicted to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what was said of Stephanus and his household, that they had addicted themselves to the ministry. That's an awesome thing. What a blessed addiction that would be to have. What a wonderful addiction that that would be to have. Amen? And, and to read those words shows a consecration in the life of these individuals, in the life of Stephanus and, and his entire family, his entire household. His whole household had gotten saved. As a matter of fact, Paul, had, had, uh, Paul didn't baptize that many converts. He mentioned in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians that uh, I think the household of Gaius and, and the household of Stephanus, there was just a few that he had personally baptized. He did lead them to the Lord and got them born again and got them saved. But here they have addicted themselves uh, to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man, Stephanus, and his family were well known in the church at Corinth. Uh, Paul made mention of that fact there in that text, in that verse, where he said, you know the house of Stephanus. You know them. I mean, they were very well known to the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth was a very large church. It was, I guess you could call it a mega church. I didn't know they had different numbers now. Now, uh, some, I heard a pastor the other day, I don't know if he's bragging or what, but he, he said, we're not a mega church anymore. We're classified now as a giga church. Well, all right. Well, we're, a, I don't know. I, I'm not counting, all right? But the church at Corinth was a large church. And, uh, but the household of Stephanus, him and his house were very well known in that church. He was known that Jesus, it was known that Jesus had saved him and his family, that the Lord had changed his life, that the Lord had done some great things for them. And there's many that can say that, that they are saved and that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, there are a lot of people today that are, that are saved, that, that say they love the Lord, but that I don't believe it could be said that they're actually addicted to serving Jesus. 
He was known, this man was known and his family was known for their addiction to the Lord and to, not just to the Lord, but to their service and to their serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe, and I tell you this text, the last, just a couple of weeks ago reading this and and, and looking at this got a hold of me because I thought, you know, that's what we need in the church today. We need more men and women of God and more families and more households that are literally addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the work of the ministry within the church and within the body of Christ. I don't know if it would be an appropriate term to say we need more Jesus junkies. Uh, we need more Jesus people that are, that, are, that are hooked on Jesus, that are hooked on living for Jesus, and, and that are just completely uh, under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. How many would, could say man to that today? Praise God. And, and, and I feel like there, there's more people that need to be in that category, that be, be able to class, be classified in that category. I, I would hope to say that I'm that way. And as I was studying on this, uh, for this message this week, I was kindly examining myself. And I was saying, well, what about you, Hensley? Are you, are you falling in line with some of these? Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some characteristics of addiction today. And I want to, uh, uh, I've examined myself myself according to these and I want us to kindly examine ourselves this morning as a church according to some of the characteristics um, of addiction and to check and to see if we have any of these signs of being Jesus addicts or being addicted. That word also, it means to be, it, it means to be devoted to. And so they were, you know, to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That word, let me just give you the definition of what addicted means. Uh, the word addicted means physically and mentally dependent on a particular substance. And listen to this, and unable to stop taking it without incurring adverse effects. Does that apply to your life with Jesus? And then also it means to be, another definition of the word addicted means to be enthusiastically devoted to a particular thing or activity. So you can say that somebody's addicted to uh, the internet or addicted to Facebook or addicted to, to racing or addicted to sports. Well, that would mean that they're enthusiastically devoted to that particular thing or to that particular activity, amen? And so when they go without that particular thing or without that particular activity, then they begin to experience withdrawal symptoms from that activity, amen? Can that be said about us as Christians and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we enthusiastically, now we're taking an inventory today, how many could say I am enthusiastically devoted to a particular thing, enthusiastically devoted to my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that he means more to me than anything else in this world does. And if I don't have my fix of Jesus, I start having some withdrawal symptoms. If I don't have my fix of being in church, amen, I start having some withdrawal symptoms. Come on, son. Somebody. Hallelujah. Well, I'm getting a, I'm getting a couple of amen. That's okay. You want to be quiet? That's fine. I'm, we, need to, we need to hear what we got to say. But I want to give you some characteristics of an addiction. What it is to be addicted. Let's apply this today to our lives. So are you a Jesus addict? Well, addicts, number one, addicts don't have to be begged to engage in their addiction. Do you ever think about that? Addicts don't have to be begged or pleaded with to engage in their addiction. You don't have to, you don't have to beg or plead with an al- alcoholic to have a drink. You don't have to plead with an alcoholic to have a beer. You don't have to plead with a pothead to smoke dope. 
You don't have to beg a heroin addict to get a fix of heroin. You don't have to beg somebody that's, that's, that's bound by crystal meth to take crystal meth because they will engage in that activity and in that addiction, amen? And, and so I believe it goes the same way with us today that you shouldn't have to beg. Let me put it this way. You shouldn't have to beg a Jesus addict to serve the Lord because it's a part, it should be a part of our reborn, rewired nature, amen, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? So there shouldn't have to be a begging that I heard uh, B.H. Clendenin, uh, pastored Victory Tabernacle in Beaumont, Texas, Assembly of God pastor for, year, for 35 years, I believe he pastored that church before he went on the, uh, uh, he went on the missions field. But uh, Brother Clendenin, great preacher, one of my favorites, but I heard him make a statement one time in a message that he preached, and he said, you know, Joe the bartender down here at the local bar doesn't have to call all of his patrons up on Saturday during the day and say, hey, are you all going to be sure and be here tonight? Because, you know, we're going to have a good time down here at the local uh, Joe's Tavern tonight. No, no inference to you, Brother Joe. But, uh, no. <laughs> We're going to have a good time down here at Joe's Bar tonight, so we want to, I'm going to call everybody and make sure y'all are going to be here. He said that, that Joe the bartender doesn't have to do that. You know why? Because it's their nature to be there. They want to be there. They're, they're wired for that. They're, 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 um, they have to go and get their fix Amen, and be a part of that gathering. And so that's the way it should be, I think. And, and Brother Clendenin likened that to people coming to the house of God and going to church and worshiping the Lord. He said, you shouldn't have, and it really helped to me because I was struggling. I was struggling with the situation of, of, of people that should be in the house of God that just wouldn't go. Should I call them? Do I? I and I was doing that. I'd call people and say, man, we really missed you this week. And I'd listen to their excuses and, and, and they're telling me why they weren't there and, and, and I didn't want to make anybody lie, you know. And, uh, but, but, but I heard that and uh, I thought, you know what? You know what? That helped me a lot because I thought, you know what? I, I, I don't think that a, that a person that is truly an addict of Jesus, that is hooked on Jesus, that really loves Jesus, they're going to want to be where the people of God are and be with God's church and with God's people. Amen? Because addicts don't have to be begged to engage in their addiction. And that's what it said about the house of Stephanus, that they addicted themselves, they devoted themselves, they appointed themselves, they ordained themselves, they assigned themselves. Now I want you to notice this. It didn't say that somebody got them hooked, but it said that they they addicted or devoted themselves to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. They assigned themselves to the job or to the task. So we see then that the household of Stephanus, they volunteered and they stepped forward on their own accord and made themselves available to do the work that was at hand. Are you listening to me this morning? I was in a, a conference, um, um, church, I don't know if you'd call it a church growth conference, a few years ago, and there were several breakout sessions that you would go to, and, and one of the um, instructors in one of the sessions that we went to uh, was talking about volunteers within the church, getting volunteers. And how many of y'all know that volunteers to do the work of the ministry are very um, important to the church, to the body of Christ? You, you, you understand that, right? Y'all looking at me funny, amen? Uh, but, but they are, and they were talking about the number that you had in a church, and if you had this many people, this, this number or size of church or size of congregation, you needed X number of volunteers to properly do the work of the ministry. If you had this amount of people, you needed this many. If you had this amount, you needed this many. And I'm sitting there listening, and I said, I, you know, got to the number of where we were running at that particular time, and 
how many volunteers we needed. I don't remember what the precise number was, but I kept waiting, I kept waiting for the instructor to tell us how to recruit these volunteers, how that we are to get these, these individuals within the church to volunteer for those areas of ministry. And do you know what? To my surprise, he never did tell us how to go about doing this. He told us what we needed. He told us the number we needed. He told us, you know, that we needed this. And I already knew that. I didn't need anybody to tell me what I needed at Abundant Life Church. I already knew what I needed at the church. I needed somebody to help me to understand how to recruit those volunteers. Amen. And so I, I went away from there, befuddled and bewildered, just like most of the other conferences like that I've been to and not knowing what to do, but I found my answer. Glory to God. I said, I, I found my answer. I know how to get. I know how, I, I know how to get the volunteers. Now, you know how you do it? It's the same way it was right here. If you can just get people to get addicted to Jesus, to get devoted to Jesus, to get full of Jesus, that they will have a desire to get involved. They will devote themselves. They will step forward on their own. Amen? They won't have to wait for the pastor to put it in a bulletin that we need you in this area. They won't have to wait for an urgent plea from the pastor, but they will devote themselves to the area of ministry that is needed. And I'm convinced that the closer that you and I become to the, get to the Lord Jesus Christ, that, and, the, and the more sensitive we become to hearing his voice and being led by his spirit, that the Lord will guide us and direct us and place us in those areas of ministry that we he wants us to be in that are needed within the body of Christ within the church I'm going to say something that you know probably I haven't said much but in a, a long time but God didn't save any of us just to warm a seat at Abundant Life Family Church is that right and I, I'm glad you're here warming one this morning. Glad you're here today. But, but, but the purpose of God in saving you and placing you in this church or in any church, in any local church, is He's got a ministry for you. We are, we, are, we are members of the body of Christ. And I don't have time to preach on all that. i got too much here as it is now. But, but we're members of the body of Christ. And every member in that body, every member in that body has a specific use. And every member in the body of Christ is important. How many knows that? Amen. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, and Paul gave that analogy and, and, and used the metaphor of a human body to refer to the church and to the members in that body and how every member was important and the eye, or the eye you know, can't say to the ear, well, I want to be an ear because I'm not going to be an ear. I'm not going to be anything. Or the ear can't say, well, I want to be the nose. He said the nose is there to smell and the ear's there to hear and the eye's there to see, you know, and, and the hand's got a purpose and the foot's got a purpose. You'd look pretty funny if your hands were down where your feet are. Trying to walk around on your hands, you know what I'm saying, amen? But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to point out the fact that when God places you, when you get born again, the Lord places you in the body of Christ. He's got a specific purpose for you being in the body of Christ. He wants you to be involved within, within the ministry of that church, involved in the ministry, whether it's on the worship team, whether it's in the nursery, whether it's in the sound booth, whether it's being a greeter, um, whether it's teaching, Sunday school, whatever it may be. Amen. Whether it's mowing the grass, I thank God for our guys that mow the grass and trim the grass and do that work. That's a part of the ministry. They're addicted to the ministry. Amen. I'll come in here on, on Wednesday mornings, early on Wednesday mornings, and just every Wednesday morning I come in, and Brother Wayne's out there on that moor mowing the grass. It doesn't make any difference if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's wet, if it's raining. He's a, come on somebody. I said he's devoted and addicted himself to the ministry. I, I didn't put it in the bulletin that we need people to mow the grass. He came to me. He addicted himself. Glory to God. He devoted 
devoted himself. He wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. Brother Terry's the same way, amen. And, and, and everybody that works, I came, I came out of prayer meeting yesterday and I won't call a name, I don't know, but, but there was a, a, a person from this church that was out there that had pulled weeds and had weed-eated and had sprayed and had their blower and was blowing the grass off the parking lot and, and nobody asked them to do it. Are you with me this morning? I'm talking about being devoted and being addicted, hallelujah, and engaging. Nobody has to beg an addict to engage in their addiction. They, 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 they yield to that. They want to be involved in that which they are addicted to. I guess I'll just slow down. I'm not getting much response. But it's my job, the fivefold ministry, the duty and the calling of the fivefold ministry is to do what? According to Ephesians 4, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Verses, you read that in verse 11 and 12, that he gave some apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And that fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to perfect, the King James says, to perfect, the New King James says, the equipping of the saints for what purpose? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So whatever, whatever particular ministry God has put you in, praise God, Get addicted to the ministry of serving Jesus and doing what He's called you to do. I appreciate this worship team. They come in, man, on, we on uh, Wednesday. They well, they do on Wednesday, but they come in on Thursday, and they practice on Thursday night. They come up early every service to practice and to get their songs down and get their songs right and pray over everything. Listen, they're addicted to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the addict doesn't have to be begged to engage in that addiction. But number two, addicts will ultimately have only one priority. I said addicts have only one, ultimately have only one priority. What is that priority? The only thing that matters to someone who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, whatever it may be, their main priority is getting that fix, getting that drink, getting that drug. That's their main objective, their main priority. And they, if they're addicted, they, whatever they may be addicted to, they will do anything to get, to get what they need to satisfy that addiction. More uh, that addiction to them. Listen, when somebody's addicted to drugs or alcohol, that addiction is more important to them than their family, more important to them than their career. How many careers have been totally wiped out and lost and because somebody was addicted to some kind of a drug or alcohol? And that addiction became more um, important to them to, than their job, than their career, or to their family. Many marriages have been destroyed because of addiction, because that addict, that addict has, that addiction is more important to their life than that marriage. That individuals that are addicted to pornography will forsake their spouse to go after a magazine or a movie or a website, something that will, that will feed their addiction. How many knows what I'm saying? Because they have only one priority. Doesn't matter about their wife, their kids, their family, or anything else, just feed that addiction. But listen to me, let, let me tell you something. When, you, when it comes to being addicted to Jesus and to the Word of God and the things of God, everything that, 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 that we do, that Jesus addict must realize that the Lord Jesus Christ demands absolute lordship and total commitment over their life. And that's the thing we don't want to hear today because everybody wants to do their own thing and do their, go their own way and, and, and be their own person. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this is what taking up the cross is all about. This is what picking up that cross is all about, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus said that if we wanted to be his disciple, we had to every day take up that cross, which means 
means it's a death to self, a death to my own will, and follow him with that cross. That means I'm making him the Lord of my life. I'm following him, and his will and his desire is what I want more than anything else in this world. Amen? It's about total control. Giving Jesus total control over our lives. That in all things, as Paul said in Colossians 1 and 18, that in all things Jesus may have the preeminence. Jesus even said in Matthew and in Luke, He even said to the people during His ministry that He would have to have Jesus Himself would have to come before their family and their loved ones. Isn't that what he said? He said, if you don't love me more than you love your father or your mother, your wife, your, your, your family, if you don't love me more, doesn't mean that you don't love your family, but Jesus has to have the first place in our life. And he said, if you don't love me more than these, then you're not worthy of me. Amen? That's what Jesus said. So if we're truly addicted to Jesus, amen, then everything that we do must revolve around the Lord and around His will for our life. That He must have complete and total control and total lordship in our life. See, it's not that an addict never does anything but Jesus, and I'm talking about those addicted to the ministry of the Lord and addicted to Christ. It's not that that addict never does anything but Jesus, but it does mean that everything that he or she does is affected by and is secondary to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just giving you a very simple basic Bible principle here that to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus means that he has the first place in our life. The first commandment, the greatest commandment is what? That we love the Lord our God more than anything with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. We love Him more than anything. I don't know about you, but I want to be addicted to the ministry of the Lord and the work of the Lord. This in and out business has got to stop. Come on. So the addicts ultimately have only one priority. And as a child of God, you should have one main priority, and that is pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ and doing His will. Boy, you know what? When you make that your priority, everything else falls in place. Everything else works out. Number three, addiction is caused by a change in the brain. And it's hard to stop it. It's caused by a change in the brain. Addicts don't think like they used to. An addict's brain gets rewired, so to speak and they don't think right. Are you with me? They say that one time of doing crystal meth immediately hooked. Same, they say, the same about crack, cocaine. Because there's something that happens when that individual takes that drug it releases something in, that, in their brain that rewires and changes their brain and causes such a euphoria that they, they're just not satisfied unless they attain that feeling again. They have to have it again. And so their brain, so to speak, has been rewired. They've become hooked on that particular drug or that particular substance. Now I know... Alcohol probably, it doesn't, you know, more than likely one drink of alcohol is not going to cause somebody to become an alcoholic, but that's the first step toward that. This, you know, this teaching today that it's okay for Christians to have a little social drink once in a while, well, I'm against that teaching. I'll just have to say that, okay? 
Amen. Every alcoholic started by taking one drink somewhere along the line. And who knows the propensity in your makeup and your buildup that it might just take one to hook you and to bind you and to control you. I just want to throw this in that, you know, it doesn't matter what, we're talking about some of these addictions that are bad addictions, that are wrong addictions. I can tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing. There's one here today that can set you free from every addiction. It doesn't matter what, 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 what a drug or alcohol or what the addiction might be. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can set you free. Can I get an amen? But there's something that happens to that individual's thinking process. Something that happens in the brain of that person that causes them to crave more of that substance, more of that drug. Well, I want to tell you something. The same thing kind of happens at salvation. Oh, glory to God. I said the same thing happens when you get born again. And that is called, that's called repentance. And the Greek word for repentance, and you know, I, I've got to say this. We, we've got to let people know that God still requires repentance. Repentance is not just feeling bad. Repentance is not just being sorry, but repentance is actually making a change. If you're not making a change, then you have not repented. You've just maybe felt guilty, or you've just maybe, you know, um, got under conviction, but you haven't really repented. True repentance is a transformation and a change. And the Greek word that is translated repent in the New Testament, it means to change the mind for the better morally. It means to change the attitude towards sin. So see, true repentance not only means that you've just had a change of mind, but it means that your attitude towards sin has changed. You don't like that sin anymore. You don't want that sin anymore. It's not merely to forsake sin, but it's to change change your attitude and your love for sin. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. When, you tr- when a person truly repents of their sin and truly gets born again, they get rewired. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a new man that comes into a being. They have a new mind and new desires and a new life. Praise God. And the things that they used to do, they don't want to do anymore. Amen. I know people say, well, I I would live for the Lord if I could, but I can't change myself. No, you can't. The the book of Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah that. He said the leopard cannot change his spots. The Ethiopian cannot change his skin. But I can tell you one thing, and what he was saying was that a sinful person cannot change their heart. But God is the only one who can, and he will, and he can. There's a rewiring that takes place in your mind and in your spirit and in your life when you get born again. Come on somebody. You're changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so just as 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 that addict, you know, you take you take somebody that's an alcoholic and they'll say, "Well, I'm going to quit." And maybe they really mean it, but they just go back to it. Someone that's a drug addict or addicted to pornography, they're saying, "Never again. I'm not going to do that again." And they may really mean it, but their brain has been so rewired that they cannot stop. They're drawn back to that same addiction. They're drawn back to that same thing and they they cannot seem to break through free. But I'm going to tell you something. When a person is addicted to Jesus Christ, kind of the same thing happens because Satan will always try to get you. Just reverse that. When you get addicted to Jesus, the Satan comes along and tries to get you to quit your addiction to Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you've really got addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, there ain't no devil in hell that can get you to stop serving the Lord or can get you to quit living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Because your mind has been renewed and your brain has been rewired by the word of God. You know, Jeremiah one time thought about quitting. He was being 
uh, he was being uh, persecuted and he was being put in jail and put in the dungeon and he was being whipped and all these things were happening. And finally, Jeremiah just said, I'm not going to make any mention of, it, of the Lord anymore. I'm not going to preach his name or mention his name anymore. He had decided and determined he was going to quit. Amen? But there was something about Jeremiah. <laughs> he was addicted. He, did, he was just addicted to God and to the ministry and to the Word of God. And he said, I'm going to quit. But then he said, oh, I can't quit. He said, his Word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I couldn't stop. I couldn't quit. Oh, come on. How many of you, when it comes to being addicted to Christ, have, have has had the devil to say, you just as well give up. You just well stop serving the Lord. You just well quit. You remember old Job when he went through what he went through and his wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? Why do you retain your integrity? Why don't you just give up and quit? And remember old Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. I'm too addicted to the Lord. I can't give this up. I can't quit him. I can't turn my back on him. Oh my God, give us some men and women to Day that will get so on fire for God and addicted to the Lord and His work and His church and His word and His ministry that no matter what the devil throws in your way, you cannot quit and will not quit because you're addicted to the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. Woo. Listen. Oh, I'm going, to get, I'm going to get your attention now. I don't believe in backsliding. I told you I'd get your attention. Do people do it? Yeah. They do. Can I backslide? You can if you want to. But I'm going to tell you, if you get addicted to Jesus, like I'm talking about this morning, there won't be no backsliding. You won't want out. Amen. It's like one fellow said one time, he said, people backslide all the time, but I don't want out of this. I've been addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had my fix with him. I got to, the more of Jesus you get, the more of Jesus you've got to have. Come on, somebody. Amen. So addicts, they don't have to be begged to engage in their addiction. They have only one priority. That's their addiction. Addiction's caused by a change in their brain and it's hard for them to stop. They have a dependence on that, on that substance, on that addiction, and they have to have that drug to function. I'm telling you, I can't make it without Jesus. The more of Him I have, the more of Him I want. The more of Him I've got to have. Amen? I'm not satisfied with what I had yesterday in my prayer time or in our prayer meeting. I had to have a little, I had to have another fix this morning. Amen? I had to have some more of Jesus today. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you've had one taste of Jesus, then you've got to have some more. Praise God, oh, that we as His people would become addicted to Him and to His love and to the work of the ministry today. Number four, addiction will eventually Whatever you're addicted to, if you've got an addiction, it'll eventually show up on the outside. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. Have you ever heard anybody say about an individual, I don't know what they're on, but I know they're on something. Why? Because it shows. It shows in their face. It shows in their talk. They look different, they talk different, they act different, they run with a different crowd when they're addicted to something. They go places and they do things that they didn't used to do. And it's the same way when you get addicted to Jesus, 
You can't hide the addiction. Ain't nobody helping me today. You, you can't hide an addiction to Jesus. It is going to show up on the outside in your lifestyle. You will look different. You will act different. You will behave different. You'll run with different people. You'll go to different places than what you used to when you are addicted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that addiction, listen, it soon becomes a primary trait of that addict. That's what they knew Stephanus for. It said in that text, you know, Paul said, you know the house of Stephanus. You know that they're addicted to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that addiction becomes what that person is known for. And I'm going to tell you what, I want to be known for somebody that's addicted to Jesus, that loves Jesus. Amen. They can call, I don't care what they want to call you. You know, we've, we, in the past we've had Jesus freaks and people's called us religious fanatics and they may think that about us, but I'm going to tell you what, I've got an addiction today to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want Him more than ever. I love Him more than ever. And I have no intention on giving this addiction up because he's been too good to me. Come on, amen. We sing that song. You know, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he changed me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord and all that he's done for me, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And when you think about what the Lord's done for you, it should make you want to shout. It should make you want to rejoice. But when you think about what the Lord's done for you, it should also make you want to serve Him and do His will and be obedient to Him for all He's done for you. Come on, somebody. It should make you want to give and it should make you want to witness and it should make you want to pray and it should make you want to go to church and it should make you want to help other people. I'm talking about being addicted to Jesus and letting him use you in what he's called you to do. Amen. There's youth ministry and there's children ministry and there's food ministry and there's helps ministry right here in Abundant Life Family Church that needs people to help and to be addicted to the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to finish up with this. It's almost 12, so I'll hush. Last of all, addiction is always strengthened and triggered by other addicts. In other words, if, you, if a drug addict needs or wants to quit his addiction, he needs to avoid other drug addicts. Somebody that's trying to quit alcohol has got to stop going to the bars. Does that make any sense? You got to stop running with others who drink alcohol if you want to stop. Why? Because that addiction is strengthened and triggered by other addicts. So you can't hang with your drinking buddies. And I've heard people say, well, I'll just go and I'll drink a Coke. That's Not if you're trying to quit that addiction, you won't just drink a Coke. You might start with a Coke, but the second one you're going to say, throw a little Jack in there with it. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm preaching to myself today. So listen, so if a person's addicted to alcohol or drugs, they've got to stay away from that crowd that will, that will strengthen or trigger their addiction. If they want to stay addicted to that, then go ahead and hang with those folks. They'll, you know, they'll keep your, they'll keep your addiction going. And here's the point that I want to make. Is this, 
If you want to be addicted to Jesus, then you need to hang around people that are addicted to Jesus. Are you with me? Does that make any sense? That was the first thing happened to me as a young man. When I got saved, immediately my, my uh, circle of friends immediately changed. I didn't run around with the same bunch anymore. I, I let them know why. I let them know I'd gotten saved. I don't go to the same places you go to. But I, but I, but I, but I got saved and I wanted them. There was, a, there was that rewiring of the brain. There was that change. There was that transformation that I wanted to be in the, around people of like precious faith that believed like I did. I got saved on a, a 1012 South Ellis Street, Cape Girardeau, Missouri on, a, on March 25th, 1973. Amen. I was there when it happened. Glory to God. And, and it was a Sunday morning and I got up from that altar. I was a different person than I was when I knelt down. I got up. I, I'd, been, I'd been drinking and all that mess that night before, that Saturday night before. That was my life. That was my addiction. That's what I wanted. That's what I lived for. Just party, party, party all the time. But when I got up from that altar, somebody's going to have, I, you're going to have to hold me here. When I got up from that altar, I didn't have that desire anymore. I'd been transformed. I'd been changed. I'd been rewired. I didn't want to go to the same places anymore. And you know what? I couldn't wait till Sunday night to get back in that same house to worship and to fellowship with God's people. My Lord, help me, Jesus. I didn't want my Black Sabbath. I didn't want my... Uh, my Leonard Skinner anymore. I got rid of all of that. And now all of a sudden, I was happy as a 17-year-old boy going to the house of God and singing the songs of Zion. They meant something to me. This is a bunch of nonsense today that you've got to have uh, Christian rock music to attract young people. I, I can't, God brought me out of that rock scene when he saved my soul. Hallelujah. All of a sudden I loved amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I loved our Lord is coming back to earth again. I loved I'll fly away, hallelujah. I love those songs, amen. I didn't have to change, I didn't expect the church to change to what I liked. God changed me and I became what they liked and what they were doing. Amen. And I wanted to be where God's people were. So if you're addicted to Jesus, you're not going to stay addicted to Jesus if you stay away from where other Jesus addicts are at. They are essential. Ah, oh, Lord, I stirred up a hornet's nest on my Facebook page that I didn't realize I was stirring up the other day. But they are essential. Someone commented that I need to shut up, I guess. <laughs> to my post referring to the president encouraging the churches to open. I had that post on there. I thank God that he did that. I could go a lot of directions here, but I won't. But I thank God that he did that. And there's churches now that are open today that weren't planning on being because he got up and said that. But somebody then made a post on my page and said, and, you know, to the effect, why open buildings where people can come in and get sick? And then they tried to give me, and this person is not a preacher, and they tried to give me a Greek lesson. In the Greek, the word for church is not a building, it's ecclesia, it means called out ones. It means assembly. I know that. So I answered them back and I said, whether, you, whether it's an ecclesia, an assembly, a called out ones, it still says, and I gave them 
Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Amen. If people don't, if people don't want to go yet to church, that's fine. We got it on live stream, but don't just stay home just because you're lazy. Just, you know, praise God. So I don't know. There was some other conversation went on on there. I haven't been back on there to look at it. I didn't want to zap my victory before I preached this morning. <laughs> but this, this individual, I worked with them years ago. They're a retired school teacher. We have school teachers here. And I, I, if I wanted to be mean and ornery, which you know me, I'm not that way. I'm sweet and kind. I wanted to say this. You're a retired school teacher. We worked in the school together. What did it mean when they called an assembly? Because she said, I go to church every week, but I don't go to a church. I have church just me. That's not an assembly. Assembly of one, that's it. I got to close. But our love and addiction for Jesus will be strengthened by coming together and, and fellowshipping and worshiping one with another. Faithful church attendance is vitally important. Vitally important. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the NIV says it this way, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, that's what we can't get in the habit of, of, of forsaking our, our church and forsaking the assembling. And he even says so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that the church has been targeted in this is, is because Satan knows that the day of the coming of the Lord is important and he doesn't want the church meeting together. He doesn't want you coming together and being encouraged and hearing the word. Amen? I'm all about being, being, being safe and all of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. But as I said a while ago, I don't know whose report to believe except this one. And if we just acquiesce any time now, the government says, we, we, you need to shut the church down. If we do that every time, to folks, they will have a shutdown all the time. Praise God. Worship team, make your way back. See, the thing about an addiction is that addicts have a, have a growing tolerance for whatever drug they're taking. In other words, the more they're on that drug, the same amount won't do them any good. They have to have larger doses that to require the desired effect in their life. They need it more often and they need more of it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I need more of Him. I need more of Jesus today than I ever did before. When you take that drug away from that, from that addict, they begin to have withdrawal symptoms. I don't know if anybody else did it. I had withdrawal symptoms from not being with God's family, with the church family. I had withdrawal symptoms from that. I prayed every day, prayed probably more during the, this last eight weeks than I, than I have before. Prayed every day, several times a day, many days. Stayed close to the Lord. Continued to preach over live stream. But there's something about it. Boy, Sunday mornings, 
the first Sunday morning service we did from in here, we had the worship team here, and they still filled out the paper with the attendance. We had nine. We was in the limit. We had nine. We grew the second Sunday. We had ten. Praise God. I said, glory to God, we're growing. And I'd preach to this worship team. They'd sit out there and I'd preach to them. But boy, that, that, that Wednesday night when I came, and there wasn't nothing but a bunch of empty seats here. I said, this is not going to get it. This is not what God intended for His church. It's not what the New Testament intended. So will there come a day that they'll shut us down? Listen, listen, listen. I know this building is not the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. But this building was, was dedicated to the Lord as a house of worship for the church to assemble. So if they forbid us, if they put locks on the doors, if they say no more meeting in the church, does that mean we quit? Or does that mean that we go underground? Do we go hide out? That we, do we find a place still for the church to come together? The church is still to meet and come together. We need that to encourage one another. Amen? Praise God. How many want to be addicted to Jesus? Addicted to the ministry? Addicted to the work of Christ? Amen? Father, I pray your blessings today upon your people. I thank you today for the Spirit of the Lord here today, and I just pray that it would stir our hearts, God, that you would stir your people. Oh, God, we want a devotion, an addiction for more of you. Oh, God, that we would be so, so addicted to prayer and to the Word of God and to the house of God so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. God, so committed to the work of the Lord and the ministry that you've called us to, that we'll fulfill that ministry, the race that you've given us, that you've set before this church. Lord, we pray today for laborers to help us in this harvest, to do the work you've called this church to do. Use us, God in a mighty, mighty way. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you-